optimal frequency for bone stimulation is between 20 and 50 hertz, which is based on the research of Dr. Clinton Rubin and his associates. associates. And it's interesting that CATPER is mostly between 25 and 50 hertz, and it goes up to 150 hertz, which is actually the best frequency for bone growth and fracture healing, as well as soft tissue healing. I mean, there has been all sorts of research on this topic, and it's showing that low vibrations are healing for the body. So low frequency vibration is also good for pain relief. Um, and as mentioned before, soft tissue healing, tendons, muscles, and some research actually also shows that cat owners are less likely to die from heart attacks and cardiovascular disease. Welcome to the Mindful Injury Recovery Talks with Dr. Maya Novak. Your host is a mindful healing expert and the author of the book, Heal Beyond Expectations. And this show is here to give you the extra resources you need when healing from any physical trauma. Tune in to today's episode to get inspired and empowered. And before we start, here's a little known fact about Dr. Maya. She's never offended by a question about her age. In fact, she loves getting older and wiser and hopes that more women would find beauty in maturity. This episode will be slightly different in regard to the ratio of theory and practice. So it's going to be a lot about the hands-on work and the things that you can use to help your body on the physical level. Now, as you know, my focus and expertise is how the emotional, mental and spiritual bodies affect the physical one. So things that are happening internally with us and how this can either make or break the recovery process. You know, over the years, I discovered that it's better to give advice for the physical aspect of healing sparingly, you know, like a pinch of salt when that we use when preparing food and not because the diet and hydration and sleep and rest and physical exercises and such are not important. Absolutely not. But because the way we were raised by our parents, as well as the society and the medical system, uh, is that we automatically try to focus on the obvious, so the physical aspect of recovery. And this also goes into extremes when people literally become magic pill hunters and, you know, are always looking for that perfect new supplement or gadget or exercise tool that will do that magic trick with their healing. And, you know, this is something that needs to change because the downside of this focus on the physical is that we very quickly push even further away the things that we've been pushing aside for so long and that brought us to this moment here and now with this injury. So, you know, you don't have time anymore to ignore the signs uh, and internal struggles and past traumas and negative thoughts and limiting beliefs and, you know, emotional turmoil and, and disappointments and so on. And if you are focusing on the solutions that are outside of you, it's going to be easy to do that, right? To ignore what makes a huge difference in anyone's healing journey. Make sense? Now, that being said, 
let's go into helping the physical body by physical things. And I'll talk about five remedies because, you know, while you shouldn't make the physical body your one and only priority, you shouldn't ignore it either. So here are some things that are not magic pills because those don't exist, but things I've researched and used myself as well. So I'll start with a funny one. And I think that cat lovers will most likely love this part. So let's talk about low frequency vibration and the healing powers of cat purse. So what does that mean and how does it work? Well, there's an old veterinary saying that says, if you put a cat and a bunch of broken bones in the same room, the bones will heal. Now for me, cat purring is really calming when of course a cat is in a calm state. But know that cats also purr when they are either severely injured or frightened or stressed, uh, when they are recovering from an illness while giving birth or also when they are dying. So, you know, it could be self-soothing mechanism, but the question is, does it go beyond just that? Because look, optimal frequency for bone stimulation is between 20 and 50 hertz, which is based on the research of Dr. Clinton Rubin and his associates. Associates, And it's interesting that cat purr is mostly between 25 and 50 hertz, and it goes up to 150 hertz, which is actually the best frequency for bone growth and fracture healing, as well as soft tissue healing. I mean, there's been all sorts of research on this topic and it's showing that low vibrations are healing for the body. So low frequency vibration is also good for pain relief. Um, and as mentioned before, soft tissue healing, tendons, muscles, and some research actually also shows that cat owners are less likely to die from heart attacks and cardiovascular disease. I mean, you know, I have a feeling that those listeners who have cats, they especially, there will be a lot of cuddling and soaking in their person. Now, before I finish this, I just want to share a quick recent personal experience in regards to this purring and, and healing and pain and all of this. Now, less than two weeks ago, we rescued a homeless cat. And we are still both wondering how he actually survived the streets since he's so cuddly and, you know, gentle and he's happiest when he can sleep in a lab or just be close to us. That being said, about two days after rescuing him, I got my period. And usually the first day for a few hours, I have a bit of cramps. So I was resting on the sofa and he joined me and lay down by my belly and started purring. I kid you not, a few minutes later, my cramps stopped. Now, just a coincidence? I don't know. It might be, but it might not be. So this was test one. <laughs> Maybe I can give you an update next month or then in, you know, two months. So, but this happened. I don't know. Maybe it's not a coincidence. Now, if you don't have a cat, perhaps you can look into some sort of frequency sound generator app. Um, so this is just an idea. I haven't tested it, but, you know, maybe you can try it out and see if it helps. Okay. Now, 
enough about cat purse, let's continue. If you have a fracture and suffering with pain and you are looking for some homeopathic remedies, here are a few that can help you out. First is Arnica. Arnica helps with pain and swelling and bruising. Then we have Sympathum, which is the Latin name for comfrey, but actually its older English name was Needbone because it was often used for helping with fractures. So Sympathum is for broken bones because it promotes callus formation and osteoblast cell activity. And this is also what I was taking after the surgery. And if you listen to episode 15, you might remember that it's something I got from my mother-in-law, who is a homeopathic doctor. Okay, so Arnica Sympathum. Then we have Calcarea Phosphorica. I hope that I'm pronouncing this correctly in English. And this one is for enriching bone with calcium and phosphorus. Then also look into Hypericum. So Hypericum can help with nerve pain at the fracture site or any injuries to nerve-rich areas like pinching toes or fingers. And one other thing, um, there is a cream called Tromel. And that we always have at home, and it's an anti-inflammatory analgesic. So, Tromel is a homeopathic formula with a blend of different medicines, but it is really effective for gently bringing down pain and swelling at injury sites. Now, in regards to doses, and also a bit more info about these remedies, because I cannot, you know, tell you everything here and doses and so on. So because of that, I will put a link in the show notes section that you can access if you go to mindabout.com forward slash podcast and click on episode 17. And as always, the link is also in the description of this episode. So if you're listening to this episode, not on my website, but, you know, on any other streaming platform, go to the description, click the link, and it's going to be super easy to find all the links and um, more information about what I'm talking about today. And uh, last but not least, consult with your homeopathic doctor who will be able to advise you based on your unique situation. So these are just ideas, maybe a starting point for you, but it's always good to consult with your homeopathic doctor. Deal? Deal. Okay. Next, the third one. Let's talk about horsetail. Now, this is something that I came across recently when searching for information about hair health. Now, long story short... I have another story. So last September, I had a huge reaction to some quote-unquote natural products for hair and scalp. And I think the main problem of those products for me was alcohol. And my scalp became extremely inflamed. And as a result, I started losing hair rapidly. And what also happened as a result of this is that my scalp started producing tons of oil. And, you know, I mean... It was really, really bad. And even though the situation is already better, I'm still losing more hair than normal. Now, thank goodness I have a lot of them and it might not be so obvious in the photos and videos that you can see, you know, across social media and on my website, but I can definitely see less hair when looking closely my scalp. So that's how I came across horse tail. 
So horse tail is very high in silica. Up to 25% of its dry weight is actually silica. And potentially, it is the only plant with such high amount of this mineral. And because of its high uh, silicon content, it helps with hair health. Because it's suggested that hair with higher silicon content tends to have a lower falling rate and higher brightness. And silica also tends to help with lowering the oil production of the scalp. So this is something that I've been testing and I can say that I'm noticing less oil production and potentially less hair falling out. But I have to say that it's a bit early on in my testing. So I'm not going to tell you that this is a, you know, a miracle herb and that this herb will solve all of your problems. Absolutely not. But it's something that I'm testing and so far so good and it's really helping me. Now, you might be wondering how I'm using it. So how I do it is that I make a strong tea and put it in a spray bottle and spray it on my scalp after washing my hair. And here and there, I also drink tea. Um, while, so this spray bottle, um, because, you know, I don't use everything at once, I put it in a fridge and then the next day or in two days when I'm washing my hair, I use it again. Yes. I mentioned tea. Now, speaking of tea, horsetail has a diuretic effect. So please, 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 please don't make the same mistake that I did a few weeks ago when I drank a cup of this tea in the evening. That night, I went to the bathroom three or four times. So no, it was not a good idea to drink tea in the evening and don't make the same mistake. If you're going to drink tea, drink it in the morning, midday. But um, if you prefer sleep soundly and nicely, yeah, don't drink it in the evening. Now, one other thing for my ladies. Previous cycle... I did a bath with horsetail before my period. And, you know, a lot of the times we are bloated and there's water retention. And I have to say that it really helped. So now I'm playing with this thought. And, you know, I think that perhaps this could be a monthly ritual for me. How I do this bath? Maybe you're wondering. So if you're wondering, here is how I do it. I take 100 grams of horsetail. So for my U.S. listeners, this is about three and a half ounces. I cover it completely with water and a bit more, and I soak it overnight. And then the next day, I cook it for 20 minutes. I then strain it, keep the herb, and I pour this tea into a very warm bath, and I soak myself for 20 minutes. And, you know, oh my goodness, it was so extremely relaxing. Um, so if you love baths, I'm sure that you're going to enjoy this one as well. Now, this is bath number one. The next day, I repeat the process with one difference. And that is that I take horsetail from the previous day and cook it for 40 minutes so that the herb releases everything. And this is something that I learned from a, from a naturopathic doctor. So this is how I do this bath and how I cook this strong tea. Now, enough about hair and baths. But there's one other thing that I discovered along the way, and that is that high silicon content also helps with bone health. You know, it can actually stimulate 
their growth and regeneration, and it can also improve the formation density and consistency of bones and cartilage, improve the absorption of, cal of calcium in the bones, and increase the synthesis of collagen, which gets us to wound healing, collagen, wound healing. Um, so one study that I found showed that applying an ointment containing 3% coarsel extract promoted wound healing and helped relieve pain. Now, this is all great, right? Positive, positive, positive. But let's talk about side effects because we have to talk about this, right? Horsetail can cause vitamin B1 deficiency because it contains thiaminase, an enzyme that breaks down thiamine, which is vitamin B1. So taking horsetail from a prolonged, prolonged period may increase your risk of thiamine deficiency. Nothing really to worry about, but if you are drinking tea every single day and using, you know, horsetail, a lot, a lot. This is something that you have to be aware of. As well as horsetail can also cause hypoglycemia, hypokalemia, which is low potassium, because of the diuretic effect that I mentioned before. And as it usually is, there's insufficient research on the safety of horsetail use while pregnant or breastfeeding. So if you're pregnant or if you're breastfeeding, I think it's better not to use it. Or, as always, discuss your situation with your doctor or naturopathic doctor, just so that you can be on the safe side. I mean, not only if you're pregnant or breastfeeding, also if you are not pregnant and breastfeeding, discuss your situation with your doctor or naturopathic doctor. Okay? Cool. Now, I mentioned collagen production. Now, collagen is the primary building block of your skin, muscles, bones, tendons, ligaments, and other connective tissues. And it's also found in your organs, blood vessels, and intestinal lining. I mean, collagen is basically everywhere, right? Now, many people try to boost their collagen levels by eating collagen-rich foods, but actually it's not that simple because collagen cannot be absorbed by your body in its whole form. What your body first does is it breaks down the collagen proteins you eat into amino acids and then creates new proteins. But there are some nutrients that help with production of collagen. And there's one vitamin that is essential for its production, and that is vitamin C. It's important to know that when we don't get enough vitamin C, this leads to low collagen levels and scurvy. And symptoms of scurvy don't include only gum problems, but also problems with, for example, wound healing. So it's important that we talk about what kind of diet you have in general, but especially when recovering from any kind of injury. Now, as you might know, you cannot make vitamin C, so you need to get it from your diet. You can use a supplement, of course, even though the first choice should always be real food. Because by eating real food, you're not only getting vitamin C, but also other nutrients and fiber, antioxidants, and, you know, everything that is so important for your health and wellness. 
Foods that are a great source of vitamin C are citruses, so oranges, lemons, grapefruit. Then we have bell peppers, broccoli, strawberries, and so on and so forth. Now, when I talked about horsetail and its silica content, I told you what kind of role silica plays, plays in bone health. One of the things that silica does is improve the absorption of calcium in the bones. Speaking of calcium, did you know that eating whole oranges doesn't only give you vitamin C, which is important for collagen production, but also calcium? So it's really, you know, a win-win situation when you add oranges to your meals. But this goes for whole oranges because calcium is, is hiding in the pith. So that white part that so many people take so much time to remove. So next time when you, you know, peeling your oranges, you can skip removing that white part and, jo and just enjoy it as it is. And you will get 140 milligrams of calcium by eating two whole oranges and tons of vitamin C. So win-win situation. In regards to calcium, I also like sesame seeds, uh, which are also a very good source of, uh, of that mineral. One tablespoon will give you 88 milligrams of this um, mineral of calcium. In regards to green leafy vegetables, here are a few that are rich in calcium as well. Collard greens, bok choy or Chinese cabbage, kale, spinach, and if you like wild edibles, definitely go with lamb's quarters. One cup of this cooked common wheat will give you 464 milligrams of calcium. That's a lot. But, you know, if you prefer something more regular, then one cup of cooked collard greens contain 268 milligrams of calcium, one cup of spinach, 245 milligrams, one cup of kale, 177, and one cup of bok choy, 158 milligrams. So even more reasons for you to eat your green leafy vegetables. Yes? Yes. So we covered quite a few things, didn't we? As promised, no magic pills because I don't believe in those, but you know, small tweaks that I researched and tried myself and of course, cats, the funny ones, right? So thank you for tuning into today's episode. As mentioned earlier, to access show notes, links, transcript, and video of today's talk, go to myanomag.com forward slash podcast and click on episode 17. And when on my website, also click on the tab healing services and discover more about my programs and how they can help you on this healing journey. Or check out my book, Heal Beyond Expectations, and you can get it on Amazon. Until next time, keep evolving, blooming, and healing.